Section three of the Rover, Volume One, Number Seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Rover, Volume One, Number Seven. Edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labry. Section three. Julian and Leonor by r s mackenzie l l d perhaps the greatest value of this anecdote is that it is literally founded upon fact the circumstances are not wholly unknown in rome and venice nor the dramatis personae in england where sea-girt venice points westwardly into the adriatic there is a little lone island dimly visible from the sandy shore of the lido to which the gondolieri may row you in about half an hour it looks dark and desolate the stranger's step rarely intrudes upon its loneliness but it is oftener visited by the venetians who turn from the gaiety of the piazza di san marco the revel of the earth the mask of italy to indulge in that lone place in the melancholy emotions which follow the estro of enjoyment in the triumphant and stirring times of blind old dandolo it was a sort of gathering-place for the wild mariners who swept the adriatic and the levant with a piratical freedom they built a dwelling there in which convenience was consulted rather than architectural beauty and the place seems well adapted for the rendezvous of these skimmers of the seas when the flag of st mark ceased to be the talisman of power pomp pride and victory as the prows of venice swept over the seas with an eagle's arrowy flight these ocean freebooters also felt decay the island became deserted their citadel a ruin and of late years only did it receive a partial renovation when it became converted into and used as a laser house or receptacle for the insane among the many inmates of this dreary abode was one whose madness was of a mild and subdued nature when i learned that he was an englishman my curiosity or it may be a higher and better feeling became strongly excited i inquired into the particulars of his story and the result of this inquisition still more deeply interested me in his fate while it assured me also that it would not be very difficult to soften his complaint less of madness than melancholy its asperities being few and faint its paroxysms very infrequent his demeanour exhibited more of a mind warped than erect and upon all points but one he was fully as rational as one half the world but i anticipate my tale it is a sad narrative of a high heart which brokenly lived on with all its ardent hopes shattered and its affections scattered in the dust around it when i first saw that young englishman in the venetian madhouse he seemed about thirty years of age toil and turmoil of the mind had given him a furrowed cheek for i afterward knew that he wanted some years of his apparent age he was rich and high-born 
he must have been more than usually beautiful if we may apply the term beautiful to man for even then the pale shadow of his former self he was one on whom the eye would involuntarily linger just as we cannot pass by with a mere common glance of admiration some splendid production where the art of the sculptor pygmalion-like has thrown such mind into the marble that it seems as if struggling into the energy of life from his youth upward he was enthusiastic as the veriest poet whose mind is so exquisitely formed as to be crushed in contact with the rude world like some fairy-like piece of exquisite and priceless bijouterie which is fragmented by a slight touch his imagination had loved to run riot through the asphodel fields of poetic thought before he had filed his mind to the necessity of slaking its thirst at the fresh-welling mountains of solid knowledge but in time this necessity became self-apparent and he plunged eagerly into the deep quest of what learning from her ancient scrolls can bestow or nature scatter forth to the inquirer from her ever open and exhaustless volume of beauty and living action he drank deeply of the mingled waters of other men's detailed experience and his own dreamy imaginings the magnificence of this world's external beauty filled him with wild delight he had become an idealist wherever he looked whatever he beheld however nature arrayed herself all ministered to the pleasure of a mind sensitively awake to a keen and quick perception of the beautiful like that flower which still turns to the day-god as he treads the azure paths of heaven and folds up her golden petals when his glory retires to gladden other lands so did his spirit expand as it gazed delightedly on this world we are in and of and so too when the dusky twilight of graver thought came on did it veil its contemplation from the darkness which then surrounded it for hitherto although he sometimes paused even in the full rapidity of his studious course to wonder at many things wildering as the fata morgana to the sicilian peasant his soul remained tranquil in the rapid path he traversed at length for it could not long be otherwise he panted for communings with an intelligence like his own he sighed for some egeria in his loneliness his fancy framed for himself a being bright in charms and beautiful in intelligence it endowed her with all a fair or wise or wonderful that lover philosopher or poet could severally have imaged he languished for the bright reality of this dear vision which haunted his dreams by night and his thoughts by day breathing beautiful and real and let not this seem strange for the idealist has endowments which are his own peculiars all peace all time all things become subsidiary to one engrossing thought i will go forth thought he to seek in other lands for that intelligence and beauty which i have vainly quested in my own 
in other climes which nature has arrayed in her most magnificent and beautiful hues there must exist some corresponding human beauty and intellect to match the gorgeousness which rests beneath those far and favoured skies surely the children of these sunny lands must still be beautiful and gifted as in old days when they were the poet themes which even now stir the soul of man up from its very depths he made the tour of europe and still was dissatisfied in france he did not find the creature he sought for beautiful women met his eye wit lightning-winged sped from their lips and they had pretty words strung like pearls for his ear smiles which seemed the very arrows of a most hearted love fascination which like a whirlpool drew all admiration into its eddy but he found or fancied that all was mere show and tinsel he distrusted the seeming sincerity of heart with which heartlessness can so well invest herself and he fled in disgust from the calypso wiles of parisian fashion it was the same wherever he went all places lacked the hesperian fruit he sought so as a last resort he turned his pilgrim steps to italy and if here he failed also if indeed the being he sought was not to be found if fancy had cheated him with the dread of what would not be if his desire was to be unsatisfied his resolve was to return from the wildering world of imagination to the real world of action to let ambition have a proper sway within his heart to aspire to a station among the magnets of the land to live for others as hitherto he had lived but for himself he knew that a man may himself be bankrupt in happiness and yet bestow it so he came to rome where for a time the distracting thoughts which so long had torn his bosom became subdued he was now amid the wrecks of national glory and grandeur and thinking on what rome had been and viewing her present littleness it was no wonder if spirit led by the memory of hoar antiquity he should forget his own thoughts but this was soon past he still trod upon the grave of empire but the spell had lost its power he returned to the contemplation of the shrined hopes of his youthful fancy smiling at his having ever forgotten them but at rome though his stay was prolonged his pursuit of the embodiment of mental and personal beauty was in vain yet he lingered with the niobe of nations at length when hope grew dead and he had become even somewhat ashamed of the fantasy which had cost him so much anxiety he was preparing in a chastened and sober mood to return to england when he was persuaded to attend a masked ball at the palace borgese he mingled with the crowds and was quitting that gorgeous scene where happy hearts were more happy and sad ones put on the seeming of joy to cheat themselves into a forgetfulness of grief when a lady habited as hebe attracted his attention he spoke to her and her ready wit eloquent words rich simplicity of manner and rare dignity of demeanour made him yet more interested in this chance companion it was the sole daughter of the last of the haughty house of colonna who thus enslaved him 
she had marked the coldness of his manner the abstraction of his very mirth and with all the innocent thoughtlessness of suspicionless youth had sportively said that she would endeavour to thaw the frozen veil which enwrapped the northern stranger she succeeded i mentioned that julian for i will name him thus was of high birth the ancestral house of colonna on whose columns the honours of rome once rested remained prouder in its poverty than even when wealth gave it a golden appearance julian soon knew that a daughter of that high and haughty line would not be given to a stranger the colonna family numbered the mighty among its alliances of old and leonora this fair and sole scion of its latter days was destined for a convent cell or a marriage of interest and the knowledge of this but fed the flame which filled julian's heart he loved this fair daughter of the land of beauty and of passion to him she appeared the realization of all which he had hopelessly hoped for the gem or the monarch's ransom to be snatched from the treasury of life and pressed to his heart as priceless he offered his hand and heart to the lovely maiden the offer met with calm and cold rejection but it is said i cannot guess how truly that in italy as in england a lady's no may sometimes be interpreted by love into a half compliance and julian found it well to hold this consoling casuistry of passion it were a tedious and perhaps an idle task to give with the minuteness of an eye-witness the delineations of passion thoughts of whose workings i have not witnessed leonora was conscious of the power of her great beauty proud too of her natural genius and her wealth of accomplishments but amid the consciousness of dominion and this pride of mind there ran an undercurrent of deeper and better thoughts she could know the value of a true heart she soon repented the fancied necessity which led her to reject the hand of such a lover as julian to him intellectual and enthusiastic leonor appeared as gifted in mind as she was confessedly peerless in person and he still cherished almost against hope the thought that she might yet be the living flower to bloom by his ancestral hearth soul in his heart and nurtured by his love mock not at such a hope love is most dreamlike it is composed of an alternation of hopes and fears its hopes are clouded by the shadow fear flings across them and its very fears are sun-tinted by the gleams which hope reflects from its mirror whereon are imaged a thousand thoughts of future bliss and who may expect the boon of success so well as the young and the gifted julian was one of these one evening in the autumn he walked amid the ruins of the Colosseum, accompanied by leonore for they had separated from the company they paused to gaze upon the splendour of the night queen then springing from her glory bed on high illumining the world with her silvery sheen it was a scene for the heart to muse over with a melancholy not unpleasing beholding the shattered remains of the world's ancient mistress it was a scene for regret for memory for admiration but it did not deeply interest them long for when the heart beats high with the pulse of passion 
love becomes the only inspiration of the thoughts of youth leonore felt the dangerous stillness of that hour and scene the devotedness of her lover had touched her heart is it not ever thus and as she looked stealthily upon his noble brow and drank in the eloquence which flowed from his lips as he talked of the glory of rome's elder days and as his eye even more eloquent than his winged words beamed with enthusiasm as he spoke of that departed greatness oh who can blame if the haughty heart of the fair colonna unbent from its pride if a consciousness of her admirer's worth flashed across her with the suddenness of thought and the certainty of conviction if a softer accent dwelt upon her tone and a tender feeling glanced from her flashing eye she knew that this was the last evening of julian's stay in rome at the rejection of his suit he felt indignation and there flows a narrow rubicon to separate that feeling from love to forget however is a task more difficult than to adore with julian for he had tried it forgetfulness was impossible he had found it difficult to avoid her society latterly his manner toward leonore had been studiedly indifferent but now when the morrow's son was to see him depart for ever from the place which her presence had sanctified to him from the only one who had ever seemed suited to share with him the difficult empire of his heart there was a tenderness unknown to himself in his slightest words and this stole into his heart hitherto cold as a marble pillar at whose base they sat which he had ceased to hope would ever respond to his he changed the subject of their conversation hitherto he had spoken of indifferent themes to while away the fast thronging thoughts unsummoned memories which rose into his heart the effort had failed he ceased to speak and leonore and he were both silent with mutual but unacknowledged emotions at length he broke the silence at first he spoke calmly but as he proceeded his voice had a deeper tone of feeling his manner became more earnest his eye flashed and his cheek and brow grew passion flushed we part leonore said he i could have wished for a happier doom henceforth a solitary hearth and shattered hopes of mine that i loved that i love you i need not now repeat the tale had been told you once too often but the feeling will not cannot cease but with my life you with the pride of a high ancestral name amid the admiration of a thousand hearts and the hopes of youth and beauty may live lovely and beloved but the more bitter doom is mine no interrupted leonore like yours my course will be a lone and sorrowing one i can bring but a worldly heart and baffled hopes to the altar at which as a victim i am to be devoted a little month will see my youth and its beauty which you praise lost in the gloom of a convent cell perhaps before then you will have forgotten this passion which you say consumes you but as she spoke the words there was a melancholy tenderness to her subdued voice and julian's hopes began to bud anew even when we are turning away from the portal of hope some recalling whisper is heard to teach us the open sesame which we had forgotten 
and why dearest leonore need a convent's gloom be the portion of one so fair so hearted are there no climes but this of italy where love can make the fond heart happy no skies where tenderness may not bloom and exhaustless affection be nourished in my own land there are happy hearts to greet my return and love her whose love would make glad my home fly with me then if light be needful or here give me a claim to call you my own let a husband's rights supersede those of a parent and the utmost pride of rome's haughtiest houses shall not and cannot break the love links by which our happy hearts will be united the lady's answer is not on record but she placed her hand in his and threw herself into his arms and wept long but not bitterly if these be not symptoms of her accordance to his proffer then am i unversed in the lore of love the mingled whispers of the lovers the glad confession each to each of the birth and progress of their affection the happy aspirations for a long life dream of joy that hope breathed forth these cannot be mistaken has love a happier time than this ere they parted the lovers had agreed to substitute the nuptial ceremony for that ritual sacrifice by which it was intended to dedicate leonore to cold celibacy her heart had always abhorred the cell she felt happy at avoiding it and thus there is always some bitterness springing up to cast its poison into the cup of life the young can but dream of these things at first but the more mature feel them in sad reality some busy babbler some wretched eavesdropper had listened to the converse of the lovers and by the morrow's dawn her proud father had learned the affection and the resolve of leonore he had no compunction when he doomed her to the gloom of a convent that living grave where woman in her youth and beauty is entombed with all her budding affections and delicate hopes but his heart panted with indignation when he knew that his daughter had dared to feel for herself and wed happiness i would not said he have had her espouse the proudest he in rome and she shall not wed with a stranger to her country and its faith so ere a week passed leonore had been forced to commence her noviate in the convent distraction seized on julian when he learned this he had been absent at venice when this harsh step was taken and exaggeration reported that leonore had been professed a nun his paroxysms of anger and outraged love eventuated in a dangerous and tedious illness which subsided into the melancholy madness in which i first saw him he was placed in that laser house on the lone island in the venetian lagoon of which i have already made mention leonore inherited all the lofty spirit of her ancestors she did not lack the heart to conceive nor the will to execute weeks passed and consciousness of her wrongs with the excitement of her love stronger from its persecution as religion grows mightier from the bonds and bars in which intolerance would bind it urged the desire of rescue of return to liberty and love after a time the circumstances of julian's madness reached her ear and augmented her determined will he 
thought she cannot now take me from this living tomb what he cannot achieve for me let me perform for him let me break the bonds which detain me here and hasten to restore his mind to its wonted vigour medicine fails to do so but there is a spell in the great power of love which can administer hope even to the hopeless drive despair from the despairing and relume the flickering lamp of reason with a light as beautiful as affection ever gleamed upon pain at the festival of the carnival immediately preceding lent there is always allowed great latitude and liberty to both sexes sometimes although it does not commonly occur the novices are permitted to leave their convents under strict surveillance and in quaint disguises of the season mingle with that world of life and love to which they are on the eve of bidding a long farewell to leonore this indulgence was proffered and by her accepted her demeanour had been so calm her devotion so regular her endurance so voiceless that they feared the monotony of such a life might wear away the vigour of her mind even as water drop by drop wears away the marble and they did not apprehend that such apathy as hers would abuse the privilege they allowed her so she mingled with the crowd and her well-assumed air of abstraction completely deceived her attendant until at length she became less watchful and in this interregnum of vigilance leonore was left to herself she seized the opportunity afforded by this desertion and speeded to execute her project its boldness was equalled by its success at that time the seventh pious wore the pontifical tiara leonore was no stranger to the person of the good old man she had more than once received his almost paternal blessing and to the vatican she now proceeded strong in hope there was not much dignity preserved in that stately dwelling of the head of the church on earth and in that season of revelry and feasting that little was so much relaxed that it was no very difficult matter for leonore to penetrate almost unquestioned into the private chamber of the pontiff she had passed through the splendid suite of apartments and at length reached the peculiar and private audience room of the pope as she paused by the door pondering on the best mode of interesting pious in the story of her wrongs she was accosted in a gentle and parental tone by an old man plainly clothed and bearing no external marks of pomp or power but in his dark eye which the storms of seventy years had scarcely dimmed and on his lofty brow was enthroned that dignity which high station and its consciousness rarely failed to confer it was the pope she threw herself at his feet in an agony of tears her heart had failed her when the goal of her desires was reached the compassionate and mild old man raised her from the ground and courteously led her into the chamber in a very few moments she was calm the magnitude of the stake hope and happiness gave her self-possession and courage she told her story she implored the interference of the holy father and in the pathos of her tale one unaccustomed tears from his aged eye is there not a charm in the narrative of true and trusting love is there not a spell in the holiness of truth and the fervour of affection there must be so for the pontiff wept over the sorrows of this youthful lady and whispered consolation and hope to her wounded spirit i release you my daughter 
said he from the solitude of the conventual life the vows which are not sanctified by a willing spirit cannot be worthy heaven earth as yet has higher claims upon you go and join him to whom your heart's hopes are wedded offer with him those conjugal vows which are a holy rite of his faith and a solemn sacrament of ours go and serve your god in another land where your stay cannot be safe in this and if ever your heart should incline to stray from that faith which has been the faith of your fathers through long ages remember that i have blessed your union with one whose god is my god although we worship him in different modes and pray to the throne of the highest for grace to guide you in the true path to peace here and happiness hereafter fervently did leonore thank him and rapidly did she run through the plan which she had formed for the restoration of her julian to health and happiness the good old man smiled at her eagerness of anticipation and approved of the details of her project he even offered her money to assist it and she accepted the assistance she took leave of him deeply touched by his kindness and pleased with the success of her romantic mission she did not return to the convent when julian had resided for some time in the venetian madhouse his disease became much mitigated it subsided into melancholy in a word he was quite rational upon all points but one he believed that leonore was lost to him forever and thus he had no console him the very sound of a woman's voice pained him this was the fatal cord which could not be touched without awakening the violence of his most darkened mood when first i saw him i was struck with the elegance of his pursuits even in that melancholy abode one day as i was passing by his door he accompanied himself on the guitar his voice was sweet in its manly depth and he displayed no inconsiderable skill in music his song was simple the words were his own and he had arranged them to a wild but pathetic melody the song ran thus as a violet loveth the welcome shade and the mariner loveth the sea as a peasant boy loveth his native glade where his bounding step is free as a nightingale loveth the lonely flower which blooms by the rippling rill as the maiden loveth the moonlight hour where music hails her still so doth my spirit cling to thine and it never would part more and fancy all it loved were mine leonore 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 but the mariner finds an ocean grave and the violet blooms to die and the peasant sinks into the slave beneath some tyrant's eye and withers the rose by the rippling stream and the bird's sweet strain grows dull and a cloud flits over the moon's pale beam for the loss of the beautiful and thus fair spirit thoughts of thee in care and grief are o'er why lingers the bright the glad the free leonore 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 while he was singing my steps had been arrested by the melody so unusual in such a place and i yet remained by the door of his apartment when he opened it a few words of apology led to a gentle and gracious reply from him a few moments after and we were wandering arm in arm in the garden of the citadel 
i did not know then that he was confined therein indeed i was scarcely aware of the use to which the austrian authorities at venice had devoted that building we separated with a promise to meet again on inquiry my boatman told me the popular legend of julian's sad story and you may be sure it did not mar the interest i took in him frequently i visited that lone island and became more and more pleased with the wonders of mind and the treasures of knowledge which were the rich possessions of the ill-fated julian at last scarcely a day passed that i did not visit him for the gaiety of venice all glare and glitter did not suit my mind at the time my friends smiled as i withdrew from their mirthful society and many rare quips and jests were passed upon my relinquishing their converse for that of my unhappy countrymen that i did so was well known in venice one day just as i was about leaving my home for julian's habitation a boy was ushered into the chamber on the plea of urgent business in a sweet voice and with entreating aspect he said dismiss the attendants i did so and he threw himself before me soliciting my permission to attend on my friend julian as a companion and an attendant a menial i know said he that i have the power of restoring him to health and i trust you will not refuse the boon i pray for i raised the youth from his lowly posture we had a long interview during which he communicated such peculiar circumstances that i could no longer refuse to comply with his request and with a hope-flushed cheek and a heart swelling with admiration of the conduct of the youth who had given me full confidence in his history and intentions i went to the island i did not lose much time in mentioning to julian that i had brought a careful attendant with me briefly explaining that the youth had solicited to wait upon him i introduced him i perceived julian's cheek to flush and his eyes to brighten and his frame to tremble with emotion when the youth entered these were momentary but renewed more slightly when he heard the youth's voice which was low and sweet as he waited upon us at table i noticed that his lip quivered and his cheek paled as he watched the ravages which disease and neglect had made in the features of julian matters went on smoothly enough for some weeks until the youth one day called me aside and said i am tired of this horror of suspense and would wish to undertake julian's cure now before the heat of the summer season which is always dangerous in this climate to those who suffer from disease of the mind so knowing what he purposed doing i acquiesced that night when we sat at supper the youth brought a crystal goblet full of wine which he proffered to julian it is said he your birthday and you must make merry with your friend as they do in england my dear master julian said with a smile i will drink if you will tell me how you know what i had forgotten that this is my birthday the youth blushed and replied drink of the wine first and i will afterward inform you so julian drained the cup and suddenly fell back on the sofa for the youth had mixed with the wine a subtle powder which had the power of inducing strong and sudden sleep we placed him on the couch at ease and waited his awakening he slept calmly as an infant for many hours 
and when at last the heaviness of slumber appeared abating and we could perceive by his restless movements the youth left the room saying if he complains of thirst give him to drink of the cup which stands in yon recess and before then do not doubt to lead the conversation on the subject of his illness and its cause presently julian awoke and i knew by the colour on his cheek and the calmness of his glance that a great change had taken place he first as if to himself murmured the refrain of his song leonore 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 and then after a pause said i am as it were awakening from a dream will you not inform me of what has happened and i told him of his illness and we spoke of the cause and then i knew that he was recovered for he did not decline to hear me speak of leonore whose name heretofore he had allowed none but himself to speak we must save her said he she loves me better than she loves aught else in this world the youth who hath so carefully attended me and yourself shall join to save her then he inquired where that youth was and complained of a great thirst i remembered what instructions the youth had given and handed the cup of wine to him he drank at the bottom of the cup was a golden ring which when he saw he trembled and his cheeks grew pale as death and he was for a time without motion except the tremulous quiver of his lips which were much convulsed whence came this said he at last and as i was about replying the door opened and the youth entered not dressed in the attire of manhood as hitherto but habited as a lady bright and beautiful and julian when he saw her knew his lost leonore indeed i knew from the first who she was for she had told me but fearing that her sudden appearance might altogether overthrow his mind she had thus provided to obtain a crisis by means of the subtle drug which he put into his wine it was a fearful experiment but what will not love essay when health and happiness are trembling in the scale against madness and despair you may be certain that we kept silence on these matters i took upon myself to procure a ship to convey the happy lovers to england that night we quitted the island and proceeded to malta where julian and leonore were wedded while we remained at malta news arrived of the death of the pope and much we deplored the loss of that true friend who had not only sanctioned leonore's escape but checked pursuit after her suggesting that it was probable she had drowned herself in despair at her baffled love it is not necessary to continue the tale the lovers went to england where julian's family delighted at his recovery and return were grateful to the fair cause of both if in youth julian was an idealist in fancy he is now a realist in enjoyment he has lived a happy man and such happiness as his extends instead of diminishing end of section three